Okay, guys, welcome to the Wealth Mindset Podcast. This is episode one of hopefully many, many, many to come. Uh, to, you know, this is the show where we help Christian men level up in the areas of mindset, money, and marriages. And we're going to kick off this podcast with a very amazing guest. I know that you are all going to be blessed by his message and his work. Um, and for those that don't know me, my name is Jose Gonzalez, a.k.a. Mr. Wealth Mindset. Um, my mission is to help people overcome their limiting beliefs. Um, and so with that, I'm very excited to introduce our guest today, Mr. Robert Fukui. Uh, him and his wife are entrepreneurs. They're the co-founders of a company called I-61, a business consulting company, where they help married couples uh, find that work-life balance so that they're able to scale their business, but also have the precious time that we need to invest into our relationships. Uh, Robert's background is in marketing and sales. Uh, he's a graduate of San Jose uh, State University, has over 25 years in uh, marketing and sales, working and uh, navigating campaigns for major brands like Coca-Cola, uh, Bristol Myers Squibb. Uh, he's helped companies launch major products, scaling to over $150 million in revenue. Uh, his wife is also has a business background. Uh, she's been in uh, banking for a long time and as well as been part of an entrepreneurial family. So I know that we are all going to be deeply, deeply impacted by his message today. So Robert, thank you for joining us today. Hey, Jose, thanks for reaching out, and I'm glad I get to be a part of this pilot. Awesome, awesome. I appreciate it. So we're going to we're gonna dive right in, and I have to tell you, I was listening to one of your recent podcasts. You were interviewing a couple, and they do magic, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And your wife was teasing you about how, you know, you probably wanted to do the podcast because you have a personal interest in magic, right? Uh -huh. yep. And you wanted to, so I have to just be transparent and say this was a lot of my motivation, you know, and having you here today was uh, was the fact that I'm very interested in what you do, right? I'm very interested as an entrepreneur, not just to have a successful love and marriage, but also, you know, circumnavigate the challenges that we as entrepreneurs and business people often mm -hmm. face in our personal lives. So I, I I'm, you know, I'm interested in learning about the magic, you know, of a work-life balance in marriages. Another thing that I loved about your podcast that you mentioned right at the top of the show that, you know, a lot of people purport that they do their podcast to to reach a certain audience, to help a certain audience. But you were very forthcoming with the fact that this this, you know, what 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 started it was wanting to help you, right? wanted to create a message that that not only would impact many others but was very relevant to your own personal life and so and so I love that so let, let's start I guess at the beginning and kind of give me a little background as to you know what uh, so for those that don't know uh, Robert and his wife wrote this amazing book Tandem which you have to check out we'll share a, a link below where you can uh, pick that up on Amazon but um so kind of give us a uh, little background as to you know what led to the writing of this book um, and this calling uh, for you and Kaylee to to help marry couples and you know with with entrepreneurship and being business people. Yeah. Well, well first, you know, speaking about podcasts, yeah, you know, great podcasts are always ones that are kind of self serving. Like you do it because you want to meet great people. Like the reason why we did it was we make great we meet great people. Um, yeah, you know, there's the marketing aspect and all that, but at the end of the day, we're we're just generally interested. In people's stories and hearing and learning from other people um so yeah you know just like you it's it's an, it's it's okay that you invited me here for selfish purposes because actually that makes good podcasting because really if you're personally interested 
then obviously you're going to attract an audience that's interested in the same thing. So you kind of build your like audience based on your own personal interests. And that's kind of the way to go anyway. So it's actually not a bad thing to be self-serving in your podcast and who you interview because you want to, I told my wife, this is a great excuse to go meet people you want to meet. Yes. Right. Yes, <laughs> you know, sure. people, it's hard to get people on a phone or on a zoom because you want to just talk to them and meet them. But when you interview, asking to interview them for your podcast, that's a whole nother thing, <laughs> right? <laughs> because that who doesn't like to promote themselves, right? Um, so anyways, getting back to your question about, you know, what led to the book, I mean, that's a, that's a long journey and really it just always starts from childhood. I mean, no matter what you're doing at the moment, it really begins from your journey, really from the moment of your birth. Now, since we're speaking to a Christian audience, you know, Jeremiah 1, 5, you know, God's called him to be a prophet of the nations. He knew you even when he was in mother's womb. So called him, already, already knew his identity, but also called out his purpose. And so that happens in the womb. And so, and then, and you can even talk in the science about that because I spent 20 years in pharmaceuticals. So I learned a lot about biology. And so I think we all understand DNA right? It's the code that's ingrained in each of our cells. And obviously it's in the womb, right? The first cell, our first cell is in our mother's womb. <laughs> and so within that is our DNA, right? And of course, when, when daddy's DNA uh, adds to it, right? Now you get the whole person and everything about us, our personality, everything that could define us as, as a person, as a human being is already encoded. Mm. And so God did that at the very beginning in our, in our mother's womb. And so it's not just a scripture that's a spiritual thing, but it's actually backed by science, right? Our hair color, our height, everything about us right. is already predetermined in our DNA. And so that includes our purpose. And so in our journey in life, everything that we do and experience both good and bad sets us up for the next thing. And so nothing's wasted. God doesn't waste anything, even the challenges in our life. And in fact, the challenges in our life are the things that help us to be able to help other people because we can empathize with what they're going through. Absolutely. So the book about helping entrepreneurs create greater work-life balance, well, that's an issue with entrepreneurs. It's also an issue with pastors, people in the ministry. It's an issue with anybody that has a career, has a profession that's trying to achieve. Because we have a culture that's built on achieving and our identity is tied to what we achieve, not about who we are. And so we're already ingrained to just grind it out and work really, really hard. And unfortunately, at the sacrifice of our relationships. So my dad was a pastor. Kaylee's dad was, a, was an entrepreneur. Same experience. My dad was all in on the congregation, all in on building the church. And too many times the, the family took a back seat same thing with Kaylee's dad grinding it out building the business and then you know Kaylee always says i don't even know if he made it to my high school graduation <laughs> <laughs> now at least i know my parents made it to that um and you know and we're not trying to uh cast a bad light on our parents i think right. they just did what they understood what to do absolutely and we all fall in that trap i fell in that trap right i fell in that trap when i started this business luckily i kind of said hold on wait a second i think there's a better way to do this but we're just conditioned to do what everybody else is doing. We're kind of repeating what everybody else is doing instead of thinking, well, what's the best path for me? Yes, I want to grow a successful business, but I also want to have a life right. because building a business and having no one to enjoy it with because they divorced or even if you're still married, but you're just roommates. I mean, that's not happiness, right? To really have greater fulfillment in your life, 
and has to be holistic and cannot be on the backs of building your business. And so, you know, doing that and, and doing things better for our own business and our own life to make sure we prioritize each other first and still be able to grow a successful business and how we did that, then obviously we help our business consultant clients do the same thing. Um, that's eventually what led to, hey, I think we need to write a book because we can't help everybody. <laughs> I think we have an important message here. No one's really tackling. I mean, I look in the books even now on Amazon and, and business co co consultants and coaches and stuff. There's not a lot of people that are really talking about how to win in marriage and business at the same time. Right? Wow. It's all isolated. You either go to marriage counseling or you get a business coach or consultant. But nobody's talking about how do we do this well together? Because there's the imbalance is that you're either sacrificing one for the other. You're either prioritizing your marriage and you think the business is going to suffer or you prioritize the business and then your marriage is going to suffer. Nobody's saying, hey, you can have you can have both. It just takes a little bit of intentionality and planning behind it. I, I love that because as you're talking, you know, definitely I, I connect with it. I see times in my life past and present where, you know, it's a challenge for me. You know, I, I often talked about when I was my former career as a chef, um, you know, it was great. I achieved a lot of success. Chefs I, alive. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> man. I, I always talk to people. I, I hear my, my son is 14 now, but I still hear his five-year-old voice saying, dad, wh why do you have to work so much? Right. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, it, and it's difficult for a lot of people because we haven't been taught how to achieve a level of professional mastery and still, you know, I, I, I ultimately what I value most is my time with my family, right? So no one's really been taught, like you said, that intersection of being a true professional business person or or a high performing uh, employee mm -hmm. yep. and still be able to, to pour into your family. Even now in my present life, you know, with, with growing my business, with doing a lot of things, sometimes I struggle, like how, not how do I give my wife attention so that she feels, you know, as though she's getting attention, but because I want to spend time with my wife, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's why I married her. So it's, it's a real challenge. Um, I, I know that you wrote uh, a chapter in the book that kind of delineates some of the challenges and opportunities for solopreneurs versus couplepreneurs. Can you uh, expound on that a little bit? Some of the nuances, some of the things that that people want to to integrate if, if they find themselves in that space. Yeah, you know, when it comes to work-life balance and the needs of, of the couple, um, there are commonalities and there's a little bit of some, a little bit of nuances. You know, when you're a couple and you're actually working together in the business, there's kind of a 24 seven thing. You know, how do you, separate business from marriage? How do you make sure that you're not always talking about business 24 seven? Um, how do you work well together in business? Um, how do you feel? How do you feel supported in what each other's doing in the business? As a solopreneurs, meaning that you're you're working for yourself, or, you know, not so much that you're just working for yourself individually with no team, but just you're, you're not your spouse isn't working with you. Um, there's still that need of obviously work-life balance because you want to prioritize your marriage and, and all that. And, but there's also, how do you support each other even though you don't work together? How does the entrepreneur feel supported by the wife or the husband and how do you support them as well? So I was kind of keen on that a little bit because a lot of times they think, oh, the work we do isn't for the couple that doesn't work together. But it's not true because I think work-life balance and how we do life together is still important, even if you don't work together, right? We still have a life outside of work. 
And so one of the things we talk about is how do you make sure, because when you're as a business owner, we, sometimes we feel like it's a lonely experience. Mm. And, and, and it's great when your wife's working with you or your husband's working with you. And then when they don't, you know, it's a lonely, can feel even a lonelier experience. And how do you talk about that? Because sometimes your spouse doesn't want to hear a lot about it. <laughs> um, or sometimes they want to know everything about it. Uh, and so how do you, how do you, how do you deal with that dynamic? But then how do you figure out what do you need as support from your spouse that's not working with you? Mm. It's not so much they need to work with you, but what kind of support do you need? And a lot of it is just emotional support. And the emotional support is, honey, I know it's, it's challenging right now, but I can do it. I believe in you. That kind of thing, that encouragement. And to, for the spouse to understand that spouse, that supporting spouse to understand how important that encouragement is. Because a lot of times that spouse is not working with you, doesn't really understand how to support them because I'm not working the business. But that encouragement to have their back and supporting them and encouraging them to know that they can do it regardless of if the business is doing well or is, is, is crashing. When you have that support, when you know your spouse is backing you, regardless of what's going on, you can move mountains. You'll break through mountains, right? Absolutely. And on the flip side, how do you make sure you support your spouse well? When they're maybe they're taking you know, a stay-at-home parent, or maybe they have their own career, or maybe they have their own business, they have another business. But how do you still support them even in in that you know whatever they're doing? And so that's just kind of one example of this, the solopreneur issue of how to figure out you know how do you have how, how do you enjoy life together, even when you're not working together. And then on the flip side, when you're when you're working together, really that that teamwork issue. Um, how do you do business well together um, is, is a huge issue that is a stumbling block for a lot of entrepreneur couples that work together. Uh, we see that the limiting growth in a business when it's a husband and wife working together, the limiting aspect to growing the business is really their ability to make decisions together. Mm. So when you're conflicted on decisions, there's a stalemate. Um, either a stalemate and nothing gets done or a decision doesn't move forward or one just supersedes the other one if you're in disagreement, but the owner, quote unquote, owner of the business is going to say, well, I'm going to do it my way because I think this is the best. Even with that, it can be very damaging to the relationship. It can even be damaging to the business because you're not moving forward together. And you tend to make better decisions when you're unified in it. Definitely. I always see the decisions, the best decisions that a couple makes is when they're unified in it. Even when the issue doesn't work out because even if the decision they make doesn't work out, they're going to figure out how to make it right. Correct. And they're working together is the issue. But when the decision is made, when one's not supporting it, whether it goes good or bad, there's conflict in the marriage and in inevitably there's going to be conflict in the business. And so it's, it's very important, especially when you got a team, it's very important for the team to know that you're unified, good or bad, that you're unified, because it really affects the culture of the organization. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you talked about, you know, conflict resolution. I'm hearing, you know, I'm, I'm inferring a lot about, obviously, how important communication is, right? And uh, in, in the chapter on, on conflict resolution, in fact, I was reading on page 94, you talked about how sometimes, um, you know, couples sweep 
certain topics under the rug, right? They think like, oh, it's it's going to be more peaceful if we just don't talk about this. But then it, it winds up festering, building resentment, right? And bleeding into and then blowing over, um, sometimes unfortunately to a degree where it's irreconcilable. So on that um, on that topic of communication, um, what are some tips for for couples who are struggling, right? Who are struggling with with having candid adult uh, conversations that they can use to implement to to start to build that bridge. Yeah, the the skill of conflict resolution is is important, not even just in your own relationship, but also in your business, because we deal with conflict all the time. Right. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, with customers potentially, sometimes vendors, employees, um, other family members, your external family members, right? There's there's always opportunity for conflict. And so understanding how to deal with that is just a it's a great skill. It's transferable and it's gonna make your life a lot better. So yes, don't sweep it under the rug because that's just like just like just creating energy in a volcano that hasn't erupted mm-hmm. yet. At some point it's gonna erupt. And when it does, it's going to be really, really bad. And the more stuff you put on the rug, that's more fuel in the fire for that volcano to be just that much more explosive. Correct. Um, so resolving it is, is important. And also resolving it, not only is it good just to keep the peace, but it's actually productive. Because basically you have two different viewpoints that you're trying to make a decision and come to agreement to move together. And when you're able to resolve those things and come to agreement on these things, you're constantly moving forward in your marriage and your business. Right. When you're coming to agreement with something, that means you're taking something and you're moving forward. You're progressing. But when there's a stalemate and there's a conflict and there's a stalemate and we're sweeping on the rug, that means we're not moving forward. Correct. In other words, sometimes we're kind of it's holding us back from from being progressing as a couple, progressing in business. And so one of the things just to understand is it isn't about the other person. It's always about you. Mm. Right. There's there's in an argument and in a conflict, it takes two to tango. Correct which means you got to look at yourself first, right? It's take the plank out of your own eye (laughs) (laughs) before you point out the speck in the other person's eye, right? It's always about you first. So understand that regardless of who starts the conflict, you can make it better or worse depending on your response. And so like if Kaylee upsets me, what happens is my reflex is to fight back. And I'm going to do or say something that might upset her and it yeah. triggers her and then she comes back. And then what happens is we get into the cycle of insanity is everybody's just saying stuff and triggering each other back and forth. Right. Yeah. And we're yeah. saying the same thing, hoping for a better result, a different result. <laughs> That's the insa- definition of insanity. Right. We're not changing the conversation. We're just trying to make our point. And the other person's trying to make their point <laughs> and back and Absolutely. forth we go. So nothing's going to happen. So, when we find that ourselves in that cycle of insanity, at least one of us, as long as one of us is the adult in it and takes a step back and says, okay, what's going on here? And so a good question for everybody to ask when you find yourself in that cycle of insanity is just stop and ask your spouse, what do you need for me? Hmm. What do you need for me? Powerful. Because no one's, no one's, put that out in the beginning. It's like in the beginning, like if Kaylee came to me and said, I just need you to listen, I'm not going to try and give her a solution, right? As men, (laughs) since this is a podcast for men, what do we want to do? We want to solve our wife's problems. We want to fix it, right? But majority of the time when our wife has an, when it's coming up to an issue, they most usually just want you to listen and empathize. Correct. 
And so when they want you to listen and empathize and we're trying to fix their problem, it just pisses them off. <laughs> right? Because you're not listening. Absolutely. You're trying to fix a problem that I didn't say I had or that I want you to fix. And so there's, there's only two things that we want from our spouse. It's either fix it or listen. And if you can define, if you know that up front, it's great. But you, a lot of times we find ourselves in that cycle of insanity. So stop, ask, what do you need from me? It's either going to be, I need you to fix something or I need you to listen. And there's a third one. Sometimes they'd say, I don't know. Mm. And that happens. And in that case, it's still listen because there's nothing to fix. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what the problem is. Then there's nothing to fix. What can I do? Right? Absolutely. So listen is always good. And a lot of times just in the listening and reflecting back and just talking through with her, the solution comes up. And so a lot of times she's like, oh yeah, that's a great idea. Cause just, and just talking it through, not having to solve a problem, but just talking it through being a coach, right? I, can, right. I think you have a coaching background. So right. being a coach, it's not about solving their problem. It's not about telling them what to do, but it's talking them through the issue. And as we talk through the issue, they'll find the, the, pro the, the solution to the problem. Just kind of helping them mind map and uh, arrive at their, you know, at, at the solution. Yeah. And so, and it's so much easier when all you're doing is just trying to help talk them through it <laughs> instead For of sure. arguing about For the solution. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. No, I love it. Uh, I want to jump into the topic of, you know, from a business standpoint, right? Because again, as an entrepreneur, as a business person, even as a, as an employee, our goal in our jobs and careers or companies is to make money. So you talk about, you know, maximizing profitability uh, versus revenue. And uh, so can you talk to us about a little bit about about that, right? How as I know, you have a, a background in, in working with major brands in sales and marketing, which is, you know, the, the bloodline of any business. Uh, can you talk to us for that entrepreneur, right? How they can do what you said in the book, which is, you know, prioritizing profits over revenue. Yeah. You know, we're so, we're so sales driven, right? Our goals, our financial goals in our business is usually about top line. What's our sales, but the most important line item is what's at the bottom, the profit and that profit what's left over because that's in your bank account. That's what stays in. And that's what gets invested back into the business to grow. That's what, you know, those that's the, that's the that's the money start what's yeah. left over <laughs> so it doesn't matter how much you sell at the top if you don't have any money left over then it's not a big deal i mean there's billion dollar companies that are in the red yeah. and there are you know six figure companies that are in the black which one's doing better <laughs> <laughs> the ones in the black for sure right which one's at home at night sleeping soundly and who's stressed out so it doesn't matter what happens at the top. It matters what happens at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be more focused on, on margin versus sales. So in other words, you know, I've had a, I've had a, um, initial, like, so most, for most business owners, pricing is an issue. They're usually underpriced. That's where it starts. They're so driven by sales. What they do is they want to cut their price a little bit so that we attract more customers. Correct. Using price as a, as a promotional vehicle <laughs> to track customers. All you're doing is undercutting your margin. So now you got to work more and sell more to make the profit that you could have had if you just, you know, set it at a bit at a little bit higher price, less volume, 
but higher higher profits. Correct. So this is the the trap that we get in in, in in business is we're so driven by sales and we'll do anything for that. And a lot of times with that, you're undercutting your price. And so it forces you to just work harder and grind harder, right? And that leads to the work-life imbalance because now you're just grinding it out. And there's, and especially you don't have time to get into this, when you don't understand the difference between gross profit margins and net profit margins, you know, there's, there's a, there's, we always think if we sell enough product, we sell enough volume, the bottom line gets taken care of, but that's not true. Correct. I've had businesses that we come into and they're growing top line and they're declining bottom line. Mm. <laughs> they're like, how does this happen? I guess, well, cause you don't understand it. Your gross profit is actually negative. Mm. And, and so anyways, that's a whole discussion that's in the book, but you know, a lot of times when you don't understand your, your financial picture, top line, cost of goods, your gross profit, especially right in that area, that you can grow sales, but actually decline in profits. And so what we do is we say, let's adjust, well, that's just the number, let's adjust our pricing. Let's get it up to where it should be, to where the value and the price match. And then even if you lose some customers, if you lose volume, you're actually going to make more money. There's, there's a case where I had, we had to raise the price 86%. Wow. And that was a big nut. And that's not the highest we've had to do. <laughs> but they realized once I did, because when I did the projections based on the current price and expenses, I said, there's no way you're going to be able to make a profit without increasing expenses. Because they don't have, the current capacity will not allow you to make a profit unless you start adding in more, more people, uh, a bigger a bigger production line, which means more expenses, right? So you're not right. you're never going to get there. You're chasing your tail, and so they knew that. So which prepared them for you got to raise your price about eighty six percent. But here's the kicker: is that it lowered their profit project or the sales projections from I think it was like five million dollars down to one point five million dollars. But actually, at one point five, now they'll be making a twenty percent, a fifteen percent net profit. Wow. 15% based on their, on their sales, but at 5 millions are basically barely going to break even. Mm. You know, <laughs> the, the numbers get really convoluted, you know, especially in business where people rarely know their, their, their acquisition costs, right. For a customer. And like you said, they're so focused on that top line number. So definitely, you know, as you, as you stated very eloquently, people want to look at where where the money is being made and how it's being allocated so yeah you also talk one thing they don't do yeah. is the projection piece right? okay you're going to set this price okay given your cost of goods and your expenses how much volume is it going to take to make a profit and once you get to that point you go oh can we actually do that without adding more expense <laughs> yeah no <laughs> so they I... set these arbitrary numbers without the projection and you go they just assume that we sell enough at some point we're going to make a profit I I uh I have way too much experience <laughs> in that sector. I was doing a meal service company in New York okay. at a time and like you said I was pricing myself to where I would get more customers. But when I quanta I'm like how do I how have I grown my business and customers and I'm broker than when I started. You know, so it's uh so I yeah, I've had a couple of restaurants. So in the food industry it's really tough and you really got to know your numbers. Because, and so there's a restaurant, it was actually a good friend of ours, and they were growing, but they're still not even paying themselves as partners, two partners, and they weren't paying themselves yet. And I'm looking at their 
their because that's the first thing I look do is look at their P and L's, the profit and loss statements. And I'm like, oh, you know what you're missing in your cost of goods is labor. So they thought they're making a 50% gross profit margin, you know, after you deduct food costs and all that. Yeah. But I said, labor. You need in order to make a meal, you need somebody to cook it. <laughs> right? That's and the way it need, works. <laughs> and you need somebody to take the orders from the customers, right? So all that is technically in cost of goods. So when you when we added the labor cost in, the gross profit margin was negative. Wow. So to your point, that's why sales are going up and profits are going down. Because if your gross profit is negative, all you do is multiply that by the volume. And guess what? Negative times negative is going to be more negative. <laughs> Absolutely. And so that's, Absolutely. A, that's a classic example of how you really have to understand cost of goods and gross profit. I love that. I love that. You also talked about uh, moving forward in the book about the time margin, right? How, you know, you said how time is a is a valuable resource that's finite. And oftentimes as entrepreneurs, as business people, to to overcome right the the sales part the the lack of mar, uh, uh, profits in our business we say oh I'll just invest more time right that's going to get me more sales but then it winds up you know affecting our relationship so can you give us some tips on on you know those entrepreneurs that are trying to scale their business you know be more profitable but not in a way that impacts you know their their time which which it's it's limited yeah. Yeah, time is, I've heard people uh, refer to time as a commodity. No, it's not a commodity. <laughs> it's a valuable asset because commodities really are really kind of throwaway stuff, tin, aluminum, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> so time is not a commodity. It is a valuable asset and you need to protect that. And so there's no correlation between the time you put in and to the money that you make. Mm. Right? I mean, think about it just to go off tangent a little bit, but, but one lottery ticket can give you a million or $2 million. That's right. That's or, right. Or one sale could be a hundred thousand dollars or $2, depending on what you're selling. Correct. Right. And so there's no correlation between the time and how much money you make. So it's about how do you make the best use of your time? Mm. So a lot of business owners, and I've been guilty of that as well, 70% of our time is on the, what we call the in the business activity, in the business activities, just the daily grind, answering phones, emails, texts, uh, customer issues, fighting fires, the stuff that just is maintaining, <laughs> addressing the issue at hand. Yeah. And only 30% of the time on, on the business activities that actually will grow. Like if you're an attorney, if you're the chief rainmaker of the practice, being out there is more productive than answering phone calls. Absolutely. And even dealing with clients. Absolutely. Right? It's actually, if you're the one that's bringing in clients, you should be out there bringing in clients. One of our clients, I mean, he was the, he's kind of a self-taught engineer. And it's a, it was a 3D, uh, a 3D maker, one of those 3D printer companies. They manufacture 3D printers. Okay. And he's the brains behind the operation, literally, you know, as far as the 3D printers. And he was doing some really great stuff and in innovating that space but he's spending a lot of time with customer issues mm. and he's really bad with customers. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, you know, I'm tempted to lock you up in that room <laughs> and just innovate mm. because that moves the business forward. Correct. 
right? Especially in some kind of tech-based company where things are always moving forward. So it's very important for the brains of the operation to be just tinkering and just developing, right? And so that's an example of their, he's, he's, his time is wasted on the other stuff when we can be hiring other people at, at, at a lower cost to deal with customer issues. For sure. right? As the owner, you're the highest paid employee, supposedly. But we're spending a lot of our time on the low cost stuff. Mm. Right? So I said, hire a, an assistant <laughs> to handle the other stuff. Oh, I can't afford it. Oh, you can't afford not to. Absolutely. Because you're doing 10, $15 an hour job as the business owner. So you're really doing a business of the service. You're actually losing money by doing these things. And so you got to know as the owner, where should you be spending 70% of your time? What's the stuff that's going to move the business forward? And it's usually the stuff, number one, you're good at, you're skilled at, but you also enjoy it. For sure. Right? The engineer loves tinkering. I mean, he loves it. He could be literally, he would lose track of time because he loves it. Right. Absolutely. Yep. But I don't think he liked customer service. <laughs> <laughs> so see no, how sure. just backwards that is where we spend our time. It's totally backwards. And it's in the stuff we don't even like. <laughs> and the stuff we really enjoy that actually moves the business forward. We're spending a little time in. No, I so love that you said that I was, I was recently chatting with a business colleague of mine and you know, she, she has a company that it's very, it has a B2B and a B2C component. And she's juggling all these tasks. And we were having a, a lunch, kind of like brainstorming. And and she was like, oh, I have to deal with this. I said, what makes you the most money? <laughs> and she was like, oh, this. I'm like, well, then just do that. You know? And so she called me. She was like, oh, I'm so glad you said that because, and, and you know, to your point, um, you need to you need to be able to delineate where does my time need to be spent, right? Yeah. Because, because it, it's finite. So I, I love the way that you explain that i have a few more questions before we wrap up but i just want to tell you this has been so valuable so far to me personally and i know it's going to be extremely valuable to our audience and i want to just remind people you want to you want to get the book tandem you know one thing i like about the book not only is it an easy enjoyable read but at the end of each chapter you have these qr codes where where people can you know see a video of you and Kaylee expounding on these. And I think that that's such a cool thing because, you know, reading is reading, but we're getting into, into a time where reading consumption is more of a multi-sensory experience, right? People are listening to audio books as they drive. Uh, I, like me, I, I only have a few physical books. Most of my books I absorb, you know, um, through Audible or, or YouTube or, or something like that. So I think that it gives an extra value add on these chapters where, where people can make a deeper connection, uh, connection, you know, with your brand and what you offer, but you know, and don't forget it, to get the digital workbook that you can download. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. So I felt like, wow, you know, we need more of these interactive books, right. Where it's not just like you open the page and you read it and it's up to your own discernment, but you can actually put these things into practice and, and kind of uh, uh, play it out. So um, I wanted to ask you, what role would you say trust plays in the success of a married entrepreneur, you know, married entrepreneur couple? <laughs> That's number one, right? <laughs> Without trust. I mean, it's, it's bad. And in, and in trust, you know, that can erode very uh, slowly and without you being aware. Mm. It's, it's kind of a slow disease, kind of like a cancer. And, and it, yeah, it doesn't have to be a big issue 
that loses trust. Like if, if one spouse cheats on the other or something like that, but it's just little things of not keeping your word and just little things like, you know, you were late for dinner when you said you were going to be home at five o'clock, for example, or, you know, Hey, we agreed. We wouldn't make any big financial decisions separately. And all of a sudden guy comes home with a car, which one of our (laughs) friends did. (laughs) So I speak, you know, people might think, Oh, that's crazy. I wouldn't do that. But we actually know a couple of this guy that did. (laughs) Okay. So, um, you know, going on a, going on a bike ride, uh, on Thanksgiving and, and not coming home and missing Thanksgiving dinner. Um, same guy, <laughs> so, you know, there's these little things that can erode trust. And again, it's one of those things that has been addressed and it's got sweeped under the rug or that the one spouse just says it's not a big deal, right? What do you make such a big deal over? But then those little things just add up over time. And it's like, how can you believe what you're going to say if you don't even take care of the little things? Mm. It's almost, it's almost like a relational credit history, right? It it is. Yeah. And you you say, sorry, but then you repeat it. Right. And so really sorry, doesn't mean anything at that point. Your apologies Mm. don't mean anything at that point, right? Actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. And so trust is huge and it's, it's so important to be a man of your word. Um, You know, man up. (laughs) <laughs> don't sweep stuff under the rug address you know your wife has a as an issue they want to deal with talk about talk about it you know don't just say oh we'll talk about it later and then never address it again hopefully that they'll forget because i guarantee you she hasn't forgotten right Absolutely. it's going to come up in another argument anyway so just address it so it doesn't come up in another argument Absolutely. so it's not personal <laughs> and so kind of that goes to, to to a point i want to make too about you know when you are uh, when an issue does get brought up and let's say sometimes it is a bad time to talk about it, right? Like sometimes Kaylee will walk in the office and I'm like, Hey, this isn't a good time, but can we talk about it in half an hour or an hour or, you know, right after dinner or something, you know, set a time, even if it's a bad time to talk about it, set a date and time to talk about it and then talk about it. Because love that the one thing that'll drive not just your wife crazy, but just even you too. If someone says, I'm going to talk about it and it never gets addressed, well, it drives you nuts because, well, when are we going to talk about this? Because, right. you know, I'm using a marital example, but what about in business? What if an employee has an issue and, and you want to talk about it and they say, oh, no, I'll talk about it later and it never gets addressed again. I mean, there, if you're on the other side of it, it's going to drive you nuts. So sure. in order to not just keep the peace, but in order to resolve issue and also it goes to building trust, it says, okay, now's not a good time, but here's when it will be. Let's talk about it then and then do it and talk about building the trust account, <laughs> right? Now you're adding to your savings account, not taking away from it. Um, and those little, that's just a little thing like that. Cause that's a kind of a common example in a marriage, right? Oh, I can't talk about it right now. I can't Correct. talk about it right now. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> okay. When are we going to talk about it? Correct. And so set a date and time and talk about it. I love that. I mean, I think that that's something, you know, for me, you know, an area of improvement for sure. And I, I think it's something that it's, you know, it's going to happen, right? Like there's no way to, there's no way to, there's no way to get around it. Like, like we mentioned before, communication is, is the basis of, of a relationship. So, uh, you know, the whole, the whole trust thing, you know, once that erodes, it's, you pretty much don't have a relationship. Right. So, uh, so I love that. Now, can you talk to us about some of the benefits that there are to running a business with your spouse? 
oh, it's synergy. Mm. I mean, two minds, right? We're, we're built differently. We have different personalities. We have different gifts and skill mix. Blend them together. You got synergy. Amen. Right? Like when you, as a leader, a great leader surrounds themselves with people that have, are strong in the areas that you're weak. And your spouse is pretty much like that, right? We got differences. We also got similarities. But it's those differences that make up for our, our weaknesses and, and vice versa. And who else, and speaking of trust, who else would you rather work with and who could you trust in a business than your spouse? Absolutely. Right? Because you want you want each other to succeed. <laughs> <laughs> right? It affects you. <laughs> Absolutely. If Jose succeeds, I succeed and vice versa, right? Right. So yeah. we're going to be cheering each other on and want to support each other. Now, the issue is dealing with conflict because of the differences also can create conflict. So we talked about that before. So, you know, use those tools to help you guys really stay on the same page and making sure, yes, we're going to have our differences, but when we're making decisions and moving forward together, I mean, sky's the limit at that point. I mean, once you kind of get in that groove of how to make decisions together, how to communicate well, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, and there's, there's data on that, that, you know, couples that work together actually create more income than if they mm. were working separately. Wow. Because the synergy in that. So I remember I had a friend, you know, he had his business, she had a business and his business was struggling. Hers was taken off. And I said, you know, <laughs> why don't you help her? Because the one thing that you're good at that she's bad at, is the operational side of things nice. but she's better at kind of the networking and being the face of an organization and that's where you suck at <laughs> i mean since they're since you're friends i could just say it be that frank but i would i would still said it just a little bit nicer for the client right but the reality is we've got complementary guests but we're working separately mm. Why don't you blend them together? You're already struggling in your business. Why don't you just work in hers and that thing will take off, right? That's right. So it's so, yeah, I think working together has got huge benefits and you know, you really start to enjoy all of life together, right? You can enjoy that. the successes of the business and being able to support each other in those challenging periods um, and just seeing what you guys built together, it's, it's amazing. Um, so both financially, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, it's just, it's a win. I love it. I love it. So before I ask my last question, Robert, uh, I know you have a program that's about to launch, but uh, please tell us a little bit about that. Also tell us, you know, where people can connect with you and Kaylee, if they want to work with you, learn more about how to improve their work-life balance, you know, between their careers, business, being business owners, as well as being able to bless their relationships and, and kind of figure everything out. Yeah, no, thanks, Jose. Um, yeah, the we're piloting our first group based around this book. <laughs> so wow. everything we talked about in this episode, um, we're going to help you in a, in a group setting because one of the things I love about groups and I've done masterminds and stuff before. Uh, one of the things I love about the group setting is the synergy and the connection between the group. Um, one knowing that you're not going through this alone, like all the stuff we talked about, right? It's obviously I've dealt with it. Kaylee's, Kaylee and I have dealt with it. You've dealt with it. 
our listeners have dealt with it. <laughs> and if you haven't, you will, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> or you're going to decide or you're going through it right now. So I always tell people, it's like, you either gone through it, you're going through it, or you will go through it. <laughs> so, Absolutely. And so what better to, and if you haven't gone through it yet, what better to be around people that can share and so you can avoid some of those pitfalls, right? I like to learn from other people's mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hate going through myself. So the more I can learn from other people's mistakes to minimize the ones I do, um, it's all the better. So doing it in a group setting. So it's the Better Balance Group Accelerator. Um, so it's only six weeks. And yeah. even if you're, you know, you're listening, you know, you know, in June, that we're going to re repeat these things because it's always good. But just go ahead and go to marriedentrepreneur.co. And that's how you can stay connected with us. You can get the link to the, you know, the book, the book from that too. Uh, we also have some online courses as well. Um, but uh, yeah, just, you know, marriedentrepreneur.co is the best way. And you can even schedule a complimentary, complimentary uh, discovery call uh, with us on there too. So if you want to actually talk to us face to face, you can do that. Um, or just follow us on um, Instagram and Facebook at Power Couples by Design. You can follow us there. And then our, our podcast is, is uh, Power Up Your Marriage and Business, which you can access from our website as well. All right, wonderful. And we'll be sure to uh, share all those links in the show notes. So uh, my last question for you, Robert, is what's the most important piece of advice that you would give to married couples who are looking to start a business together? <laughs> One piece of advice. Boy, that's a, uh, I would say uh, get some counseling. Okay. <laughs> uh, get some counseling around just communication, conflict resolution. Mm. You know, you, you read the book. So our story is we got counseling for two years before we even got married. Wow. And so that laid a foundation for us to have a better marriage because really conflict resolution is the crux of the issue. It's like when things are going good, they're going good. There's nothing to deal with, right? But when we have disagreements and all that, that's the stuff, that's the stumbling block, whether you're working together or not, that prevents your, your marriage and, and your business from moving forward. So just getting good counseling and knowing how to just communicate better and resolve conflict, those, the tools we, we got in those two years we use still, and obviously we pass on to our clients <laughs> and we talk about on podcasts and all that. So it's a gift that keeps on giving, but when you can resolve conflict, that means you're going to be able to make decisions better together and move forward together. And so just that in itself is, is going to be on. Don't try and do it yourself. I guess is, a, is, an, is the other message is the areas I was just reflecting a little a couple of weeks ago about my life and looking at the areas I failed in versus the areas that I succeeded and in finance and in my career in business, the areas I succeeded, I got help. I had a counselor, an advisor, or, or mentor. The areas I failed, I either didn't listen to good counsel or I just tried to do it by myself, pure and simple. And so having counsel around you is, is so important. Getting help is, is just so important. Wonderful. I, lo I love that. I mean, that that's so well said. And as you know, just hearing it, it makes so much sense because, you know, we, we you know, the whole thing on communication, right? It's kind of like where where do you learn it, right? Where do you and where do you have the the safe space to practice this, right? So I think that, that that's such a powerful uh, recommendation which you can give because 
you know, you, you've been there, right? So you know the benefit of how someone, you know, can utilize that. So I appreciate you sharing that with our audience. So Robert, I'm so, so thankful, um, you know, that God brought us together in the way that he did, everything that's come out of that. Um, I definitely enjoyed your book. I highly encourage my audience to go get it. Um, all right. If you're not a married couple, if you're not an entrepreneur, get it as a gift to someone that <laughs> that you know. I think that it will be a true blessing to them in, in their relationship. And maybe hopefully when when you know when the rubber meets, meets the road in your own life, um, you know, it'll pay dividends for you as well. But well, even for single point. people, they can learn a lot about communication. <laughs> hey, listen, as I think especially <laughs> for single people, right? Especially I wish I had learned a lot of these things, you know. And that's that's the biggest takeaway that I had from the book as I was going through it. I was like, man, I wish I would have. I would have gotten this book before I was married, right? Because I think, you know, coming coming into a relationship, a meaningful relationship that you want to last forever, you know, these are uh, skills that you must have, right? If you yeah, maybe maybe we'll repackage the book for singles. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, we we might just come up with a with a new genius idea. Exactly. So. There you go. But I appreciate you. I, you know, I pray that God continues to help, uh, you know, guide you, guide Kaylee in your mission, that he continues to bless it so that you guys can continue to impact so many people. This is something that's so, so necessary, you know, in our culture, uh, you know, in our ministry, in, in the body. And, you know, for for anyone, for anyone that that's out there, I think that there's just so many nuggets uh, that can be. Uh, taken away from this that can help you in your personal, you know, professional and also relational development. So I thank you for your time, Robert. Um, I look forward to connecting with you soon. All right. Yeah. Thank you for having me. And I'm honored to be uh, your first guest. <laughs> well, it was an honor to have you. Like I said, I learned a lot. So I'm excited. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're welcome.